This is the sermon from Reverend Dr. Bob John, pastor of Aldersgate United Methodist Church in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. We hope you are blessed with this message today. If you are seeking a church family, we are located at 242 Boston Road. Our worship services are at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. on Sundays. May God bless you and your family this day and give you peace. The Gospel reading this morning comes from John chapter 9 verses 1 through 9 and then chapters verses 35 through 41. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the Gospel. As he walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some, of, some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. And then for the next 25 verses, they hash out what actually happened <laughs> until they drive him out of town and we pick it back up at verse 35. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found them, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard him say this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see your sin remains this is the word of god for the people of god thank you betty for the wonderful reading of the scripture this morning for those who are listening to this sermon the second time there will be a test after service is over today <laughs> just kidding so good to see you this morning, and let us pray. Let the words of my mouth 
and the meditations of our hearts be accepted in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Some years ago, I attended the annual conference. I have a confession to make. I usually don't really that much enjoy going to the annual conference as it tends to be so much about like meetings and business and resolution debates and also reports. But one of the things really I enjoy going to the annual conference is that I can meet with other colleagues and their families and we sit for meals and we share stories with one another. As I went to the lunch with my family one day during the annual conference, I was excited to see my pastor friend who was also having lunch there with her family. As we were talking about our children, she told me about her concern for her daughter. You know, she came from another country in Asia, and she always felt ashamed of speaking English with an accent. Of course, her ethnicity, the way she looked, already made her look like a foreigner in this country, but whenever she spoke, people realized that she was an outsider. She felt ashamed of who she was, and she felt like uh, her accent was worsening the discrimination against her. So when her daughter was born, she did not want her to learn English from her, who is a mother. Instead, she had her daughter watch the TV for several hours every day so that she could learn English not from her, but from the cartoons and the TV shows. But later, she noticed that there was something strange about her daughter, so she took her to the doctor after some examination that they found out that her daughter was autistic. And she blamed herself so badly for what she called bad parenting. She thought that too much TV time made her daughter autistic. Some delay in speech and also difficulty in communication. She said that she felt a little better only after her pediatric doctor told her that it was not her parenting, but it was probably a genetic factor that caused her daughter to be autistic. With many therapy sessions and support, her daughter was doing so much better. But she and her husband were still concerned and brokenhearted, maybe thinking, why isn't our daughter just like other kids? As human beings, that's what we do. We are concerned because we care and we love and we care, so we are concerned. However, we also often blame others or even ourselves for the misery or pain or brokenness in those people who are also us. We try to make sense of what happened by analyzing the root of the problem. And here in our reading from the Gospel of John, the disciples saw a man who was born blind. As a baby, he was born blind. And I have a picture that my wife, she took almost nine years ago. It was a picture of me holding Daniel in my arms uh, only after the day after he was born. And he's looking at me. I'm looking at him. For nine months, we wondered what he would look like. 
and holding him finally in my arms, meeting our eyes together and saying hi to your first precious child. You know, there's no such a thing in this world to describe how you feel about that, that precious and sacred moment. But the Bible says this man was born blind from birth. He never knew what his mother looked like. He had never known what his father looked like. He had never seen a tree or a flower or a mountain that his neighbors were talking about. When his friends were talking about the wonderful vacation, they, you know, they went on with their families. This man had to only imagine something he had never seen. As he grew older, his friends were finding their jobs and pursuing their careers. In Jesus' time, they were often trained by their fathers to continue their family business. But being born blind, this man, there was nothing that he could do. The only thing he could do was sit at the city gate where many people were passing by, and he begged for mercy, saying thank you to anyone who dropped a coin in his jar. So when the disciples saw him, they asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned? Was it this man or his parent? What made this man born blind? To be fair to the disciples, and the Bible has some conflicting views on this. In the book of Exodus, God warns the Israelites not to bow to the idols or, or serve them because God is a jealous God and will punish children for the sins of their parents for the third and fourth generation of those who reject God. Meanwhile, the prophet Ezekiel, <clears throat> in the book of Ezekiel, God says that all lies belong to God. The life of the parent as well as the, the life of children, they all belong to God. So the children will not suffer on the account of their parents, the Bible says. But if we think about it as people, it's our human nature that we often blame the victim of their, their families or the, their families for their misery and their suffering, just like my friend was blaming herself for her daughter's autism. She was blaming her bad parenting. She was internalizing shame and guilt, saying that I'm not a good mother. But Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. Michael Lindvell is a Presbyterian minister in New York, and he comments that when he counsels people with some loss or tragedy, he encourages them to avoid asking the why question, but rather ask them to ask the how question. Instead of asking why a death has come too early to my family, Lindwell says that we can ask how we may find a way through this pain to more meaningful life. Helen Keller, American author, who was also blind, once said, I thank God for my handicaps, for through them I have found myself, my work, and I found my God, she said. 
In the same way, Jesus also says that it's not necessarily someone's fault or the sin that led to his, this man's blindness, but God can still be glorified through what Jesus can do for us and what Jesus can do with us. So he says, we must work the works of God who sent me while it's a day. Night is coming when no one can work. But as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus does not say, I will be the light of the world, but he says, I am the light of the world. Jesus is the light who can show us who God is, like what God is like. Because Jesus is the Son of God, Later, Philip, a disciple Jesus, asked him, Lord, please show us God and we'll be happy. And Jesus answers, oh, truly, I'll tell you, Philip, I've been with you all this time and you still don't know me. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And don't you know that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? In other words, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily our physical blindness that makes us blind. But not seeing Jesus, and not recognizing Jesus as the Son of God who shows the way is what makes us blind, according to the Gospel of John. After Jesus told his disciples that he's the light of the world, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread on, uh, on the, the blind man's eyes. Jesus then said, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And this man followed what he was told by Jesus. And he went to the water and washed his eyes. And he was able to see for the first time in his life. There's a story in the news article when Nicole Pereira, she was a, she's a two-year-old child. She was born in rural Brazil. But she knew her mother's love only through her touch because Nicole was born deaf and blind. And that she suffered a pediatric glaucoma. She had seven surgeries, but nothing was helping her to see. So when her mother posted their story on Facebook, people started noticing that and, and offered help by raising $17,000. Thankfully, this little girl was able to receive a surgery at the hospital in Miami. After the surgery, Nicole looks at her mother for the first time in her life and she smiles. She looks at her mother as if she's filled with awe, as if she has something the most beautiful in the world while her mother is in tears. Just imagine the joy of this blind man as he opened his eyes for the first time and he was able to see everything. At least his neighbors could have come and gather and celebrate with what the miracle that happened. But that's not what people do. People gather around him and, and doubt that this is the same man who was begging on the street. He's even brought to the Pharisees who grumbled that this healing took place on the Sabbath day. That Jesus worked to make the mud and, and open his eyes. 
since he violated the law of the Sabbath, the Pharisees wanted to charge Jesus, saying that he is a sinner who does not respect the sacred law. They tell this formerly blind man, give glory, give glory to God. We know that this Jesus man, he is a sinner. In other words, they are saying, hey, buddy, you should consider yourself lucky that this man is a sinner, but somehow a miracle happened to you. But this man says this, I do not know whether he is a sinner or not, but one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see, he said. When I was still seminarian, back in 2005, I was doing my internship at uh, a predominantly black church in Boston. At that church, the senior pastor, Reverend Martin McAuley, always finished his sermon by inviting anyone who was looking for a new church home or rededicating themselves to, to God, and he would ask them to come forward and give their hands to the pastor and, and the leaders of the church as they stood in front of the church. He would say, the church door is open. And one Sunday after he said the church's door is open, two men, John and Mike, came forward and gave their hands to the pastor and the leaders. When Pastor McAuley gave them a microphone, John said, uh, we are gays and we visited churches to churches because we love God and we, we want to find a place where we can worship. But every time we tried to join them, we were told no. We are rejected because who we are. But you know, for the past Sundays, you have welcomed us. You have embraced us as we are. And we are here to say that we want to be your family, he said. As soon as John finished his words, an elderly woman in the church named Hilda, she came forward and gave them a big hug. Followed by everyone, young and old, standing in line, getting ready to give them a big welcome to the church family. I assume that when they try to join a church, the other churches consider their identity and their lifestyle as sinful. They are trying to make sense why this was happening to them, why these people, they try to be part of our church. Instead of celebrating, rejoicing and welcoming them as beloved children of God, they were grumbling in their hearts that unless they confess their sinfulness and change who they are, they could not belong to their church community. Maybe they thought that this gay couple were blind who needed some light of Christ to change themselves. But the question that the gospel John is asking us is this. Well, we might have our ways of saying someone is blind, someone is sick, and someone is broken, and someone is lost. But in the eyes of God, who is the real blind? Who is the real blind? For three years, I worshipped and 
I worked as an intern and was nurtured in, in that black church in Boston. And finally, Sunday came that I was graduating from school and had to move to another state to pursue another academic degree. So my last Sunday with the church, Reverend McLee asked me to stand in the middle of the church so that people could come forward and they could say farewell to me. The young and old, the men and women, they all stood and they, they, they gave me a big hug and wishing me a blessing. And this gay couple, John and Mike, they came forward. For two years since they joined the church, they rarely missed the Sunday service. They're always sitting on the right side of the church in the front. You know, I come from Northern nurture is somehow a conservative Christian tradition. But worshiping together with this couple and sharing food together and serving together brought us as a new family. You know, Mike is a, was a big dude. And he was towering over me and he would say, the brother Bob, I'm going to miss you and we're going to pray for you. Later, in the story of John, the Gospel of John, Jesus spoke with the man whom he healed in his blindness. And he says, I came to this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see me, uh, those who do see may become blind. And the Pharisees who were listening to their conversation asked among themselves, surely we're not the blind, are we? We gather this morning because we confess Jesus as our Lord. We follow the way of Christ as our light who taught us and shown what it means to love God and our neighbors. And we are also called to be the light in this world, as Jesus says, well, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. God is still on move today, working God's redemptive plan to heal the people and forgive them and call them to follow the way of Christ. From time to time, we may be blinded by our own ego, our ideology, our greed, or our short-sightedness. However, God, who so loved the world that God sent God's only Son, Christ, to die for us and save us, will never let us go. God will continue to open our eyes and ears, calling us to do the same in this world that God created good. Thanks be to God and God's people say, Amen.